hello, and welcome back to episode six of Juror Number One. So, what do you think of last week? Unbelievable, right? I mean, I say this every week, right? But, God, how many people did this lunatic send to jail that didn't commit a crime? It's bonkers. Bonkers. Anyway, here's another crazy one for you this week. Oh, boy. Are you ready? Well, strap in for this one. This is episode six. A kidnapping in Texas. So this story starts out again back in the late 70s. It was a November night in Dallas, Texas. A couple went to a local liquor store to buy some cigarettes. Well, the female stayed outside while her friend went in the store to uh, buy the cigarettes. She went to use a payphone. This is how long ago it was. Remember payphones? So, while she was using the payphone, she noticed uh, a couple guys uh, coming towards her and uh, didn't think anything of it. But she went back to her vehicle and noticed that her friend was in a little bit of trouble. See, the two men that approached her has her friend held at gunpoint next to their car. So, they force her and her friend into the car and they take off. There's one gunman in the back seat and one in the passenger seat and they head out of town. So, they're being kidnapped right now, driving down this highway, not knowing what the hell is going to happen to them. Imagine how terrified you'd be in that situation. You and your friend being held at gunpoint by two guys that just says drive out of town. It's got to be terrifying. So they drove all the way out of town and they make them get off at this exit. Well, when they pull off of the exit, this young woman opens the door and tries to run. But that is thwarted pretty quick. And she's pulled back into the vehicle. So, they take these two to a nearby park, and then the worst happens. They took turns holding her at gunpoint while each of them raped this poor girl. Unbelievable. What terrifying experience this must be. So, then they take her fur coat and say, if you tell anyone about this, we're going to kill you. And then they leave. So she runs towards the closest road she can remember. When she gets there, she passes out. And moments later, a patrol car drives by and sees this unconscious woman on the side of the road. Finally, she had help. 
So as she gives her statement to the police, um, she's sent to the hospital, and then she goes home. And there was nothing of it, really, for a few days. Until about a week passes. And then two men were brought in on a separate sexual assault case and thought that they could actually match the description that this woman gave. So they took these two guys and put them in a lineup. And she says, that's exactly who did this crime. But she brings in, they bring in the male friend and show him the same lineup and he says he doesn't recognize any of the people. Crazy, right? Crazy what your mind remembers. I would obviously take her opinion over the man's because those images are probably burnt in her brain forever. So, what happens next? Well, they get a call from a pawn shop and said that two men were trying to sell a fur coat. Huh. Maybe that should be investigated. But it wasn't either of these two guys that she'd already identified, so they just let that slide. Okay. Remember that. So then they also did, uh, obviously, the forensic stuff with a rape kit and searched for semen, DNA, and all that stuff. And what they found is that they had two forms of DNA, so two different males had raped this woman. So they think that they have everything they needed, so the trial begins. These two men are on trial for rape, kidnapping, burglary. Going to spend a lot of time in jail if they're found guilty. So during the trial, here's what happens. When they put the male on the stand, he says that the two men in the courtroom are exactly who did the crime. What? Yeah. He didn't identify him a week after the crime, but all these months later at the trial, he says these are the two guys. He said that um, his vision was impaired the first time that he saw them, but now he's for sure that it's them. Okay. That seems strange, but okay. He says that these two men are the one who uh, kidnapped and raped his friend. Okay. Well, that's one person. So now it's time for the female victim to take the stand. And how terrible has this for that woman to have to go on the stand and face these two men? But something happened during this when she was on the stand. She was shown a set of pictures and she pointed out two men in these pictures while she's on the stand. And guess what? The two people that she picked out of this photo lineup weren't the two defendants. What? Crazy, right? So what happens now? Well, she says that at the time of the attack, she didn't have her glasses on to correct her nearsightedness. 
how are we using this as any sort of evidence to convict people? If we're basing almost all of this off of eyewitness account, and the victim wasn't wearing her glasses, she picked out the two defendants, but then she picked out two different people at the trial, which is the exact opposite of the other guy that was with her. That should be reasonable doubt right there. And that's what the prosecution argues. They say, how can this be the state's main evidence when the two people that were victims of this crime both identified and then not identified the two defendants? Shouldn't that be, this case should be thrown out? Because when it gets to the forensic evidence, forensic evidence, <laughs> it's really, there's not a lot there. I mean, it's 1980. So what they looked for, all, all they could tell is that there was two victims, I mean, two men who raped this woman. That's all they can tell. And the prosecution says, well, look at this. Our victim sitting here is shown pictures of two men. She says, that's the guys who did it. But the guys that are sitting over here aren't the people that she just picked out. So what do you do? Well, then it goes to the closing statements. And this is where they highlight everything that we've already heard. But for you as the juror, this is where you have to decide. You have a victim here that had brutal, horrific crimes committed on her. Whenever this act happened, shortly thereafter, she saw these two men and identified them. Their faces had to have been burned in her brain at that time. And that's when it counts is when she identified them closely after the crime. Yes, this is months later. She might have been confused a bit now, but right at the time of this happened, when that image is still in her brain, that's who she identified, these two guys. So you have to find them guilty. And then the friend, yes, at the time, he didn't identify him. But now, over time, when he's sitting here in this courtroom, he picks out these two men that raped his friend and robbed him. I mean... You have to find these two men guilty. Well, the defense is going to bring up a lot of things that prove that this is a clear reasonable doubt case. One, the victim just pointed out two wrong people. That's reasonable doubt right there, but we'll keep going. Her friend, he couldn't pick him out. But somehow today, when everything is on the line, he can pick these two people out. Do you find that strange? Because I find that strange. This is what the defense is saying, not me personally. It always has to look weird that whenever they're shown a picture of somebody or a lineup after a crime and they say that's not the guy. But the police find their way to a person that committed the crime, allegedly, 
And then all of a sudden, months later, yeah, those are exactly the two guys. Well, why didn't you say that in the beginning? It's awfully convenient, wouldn't you think? That's not the only thing, though. The biggest thing that the prosecution doesn't want you to know is remember at the end of this crime that the two perpetrators took something from this victim. They stole her fur coat. We all remember that. Well, shortly after this crime, as you'll recall, the police got a call from a pawn shop and said these two males were trying to sell this woman's fur coat. They didn't follow up on it because they had what they thought was their victim identifying these two males. The same victim who couldn't identify him today. But that is clear, clear reasonable doubt where you should find this person not guilty. The one thing taken from the crime scene is trying to be pawned shortly thereafter by two males. That's all you would need for reasonable doubt. But I'm not the one who has to decide that. I'll tell you my opinion tomorrow. So that's your case for this week. Innocent? or guilty. A horrific crime, whoever did this, deserves to die in jail, in my personal opinion. But we'll find out what really happened tomorrow. So thanks so much for listening. Keep sharing with your friends. It's been an unreal response to this. It makes me feel amazing. And I can't thank you enough for that. So, Come on back tomorrow, and you're going to learn all about this weird and wild case. But until then, do me a giant favor, would you? And have an absolutely wonderful day. Thank you.